grace, mercy, and peace are yours through the triune God. Whether you're listening from far away or next to beautiful Seneca Lake, we hope that through the reading and proclaiming of Scripture, you hear God's wisdom, challenge, and blessing for you today. If you're able to worship with us on Sunday mornings at 9.30 a.m., we at Hector Presbyterian Church would love to share Christ's peace with you. Heaven and earth will pass away, but God's word endures forever. Let us pray that we might hear God's voice. Spirit of Emmanuel, overshadow us in the proclaiming of your word. To our confusion, bring wisdom. To our darkness, your dawn. To our restlessness, Jesse's root. To our locked doors, David's key. To us and to every nation, speak your challenge and blessing. Amen. A reading from the prophet Ezekiel. The Eternal One's word came to me. Human, prophesy against Israel's shepherds. Prophesy and say to them, the Eternal God proclaims to the shepherds, doomed to Israel's shepherds who tended themselves. Shouldn't shepherds tend the flock? You drink the milk, you wear the wool, and you slaughter the fat animals, but you don't tend the flock. You don't strengthen the weak, heal the sick, bind up the injured, bring back the strays, or seek out the lost. But instead you use force to rule them with injustice. The eternal God pro proclaims, I myself will search for my flock and seek them out. As a shepherd seeks out the flock, when some in the flock have been scattered, so will I seek out my flock. I will seek out the lost, bring back the strays, bind up the wounded and strengthen the weak. But the fat and the strong I will destroy, because I will tend my sheep with justice. As for you, my flock, the eternal God proclaims, I will judge between the rams and the bucks, among the sheep and the goats. Is feeding in good pasture or drinking clear water such a trivial thing that you should trample and muddy what is left with your feet? But now my flock must feed on what your feet have trampled and drink water that your feet have muddied. So the eternal God proclaims to them, I will judge between the fat and lean sheep. You shove with shoulder and flank, and with your horns you ram all the weak sheep until you've scattered them outside. But I will rescue my flock so that they will never again be prey. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. A reading from the book of Matthew. Jesus said, 
Now when human one comes in majesty and all his angels are with him, he will sit on his majestic throne. All the nations will be gathered in front of him. He will separate them from each other, just as a shepherd separates the sheep from the goats. He will put the sheep on his right side, but the goats he will put on his left. Then the king will say to those on his right, Come, you who will receive good things from my father. Inherit the kingdom that was prepared for you before the world began. I was hungry, and you gave me food to eat. I was thirsty, and you gave me a drink. I was a stranger, and you welcomed me. I was naked, and you gave me clothes to wear. I was sick, and you took care of me. I was in prison, and you visited me. Then those who are righteous will reply to him, Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you, or thirsty and give you a drink? When did we see you as a stranger and welcome you, or naked and give you clothes to wear? When did we see you sick or in prison and visit you? Then the king will reply to them, I assure you that when you have done it for one of the least of these, my brothers and sisters of mine, you have done it for me. Then he will say to those on his left, get away from you, you who will receive terrible things. Go into the unending fire that has been prepared for the devil and his angels. I was hungry and you didn't give me food to eat. I was thirsty and you didn't give me anything to drink. I was a stranger and you didn't welcome me. I was naked and you didn't give me clothes to wear. I was sick and in prison and you didn't visit me. Then they will reply, Lord, when did we see you hungry or thirsty or a stranger or naked or sick or in prison and didn't do anything to help you? Then he will answer you. I assure you that when you haven't done it for one of the least of these, you haven't done it for me and they will go away into eternal punishment, but the righteous ones will go into eternal life. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Cast your minds back to 2001. Just a few months ago, US troops invaded Afghanistan. Just a few weeks ago, the corporation Enron declared bankruptcy. The world is in turmoil, but you are about to set that aside for two hours and 58 minutes. You are about to enter a magical world Peter Jackson's transformation of New Zealand into J.R.R. Tolkien's Middle Earth. I remember how excited my best friend was to see the first installment in Jackson's Lord of the Rings trilogy. Heidi was raised on a steady diet of Tolkien. She named her dog Bilbo after the famous Hobbit. At 13, 
Heidi had already read The Lord of the Rings twice. As for me, well, I read The Hobbit at Heidi's insistence. It's not hard, she said. I read it when I was six. I had managed to marathon through the Fellowship of the Ring hours before we found our seats in the movie theater. It wasn't that I didn't like Tolkien's writing, but I struggled to stay engaged. Well, because I knew the ending. I knew how the story ended because I had seen the 1980 made for TV movie, The Return of the King, the trilogy's capstone a la Rankin and Bass. Even before I learned the legend of the one ring to rule them all, I knew that Frodo and Samwise had destroyed it in the fires of Mount Doom. Everything that came before felt like background detail. And oh goodness, how Tolkien went into detail. Standing before the Messiah with all the nations awaiting judgment, I can feel that same temptation to disengage. Here we are at the end, and I already know the ending. I already know the plot twist. Lord, when did we see you hungry? I already know how good people get good things and bad people get bad things. I have done the mental math and I'm leaving with the goats. Our old enemy, scarcity, the demon of not enough is more than happy to tally all of the times that I have fed a hungry neighbor and all of the times I have walked past a person in need. All of the times that I have made a stranger feel at home and every instance of inhospitality. The nagging voice of scarcity reminds me that I have never set foot in a prison cell. The score isn't looking good for me. But wait a minute, you say. You'll remind me of what we have learned on our Advent journey so far. That any idea of score smacks of a false god. And that false god is like a boss man who punishes his employees for not increasing his ill-gotten wealth. And how that false god whispers, I'll tell you how to get ahead. You don't want to be a loser, do you? 
the false god scarcity, wants us to focus on keeping score. It wants us to be anxious, our thoughts racing, our spirits sinking. That way we'll never accept that God prepared a place in the kingdom for us before the world began. That way we'll never notice the arrival of God among us, the advent of God to set the world aright. That's the problem with the typical story of the end. It's too late. The eternal one, the God of Israel, doesn't wait that long. Take the prophecies we heard from Ezekiel. God will not abide the selfishness of kings and bureaucrats and priests. Shouldn't shepherds tend the flock? You drink the milk, you wear the wool, and you slaughter the fat animals, but you don't tend the flock. You don't strengthen the weak, heal the sick, bind up the injured, bring back the strays, or seek out the lost. Instead, you use force to rule them with injustice. In the face of such incompetence, God steps in. The good shepherd from Psalm 23 reappears, not simply as a reassuring caretaker, but as a servant leader. I myself will search for my flock, the eternal one states. I will seek out the lost. Bring back the strays, bind up the wounded, and strengthen the weak. God takes initiative to change the story, to rescue, restore, and challenge. When the Eternal One asks, is feeding in good pasture or drinking clear water such a trivial thing? that you should trample and muddy what is left with your feet? The sheep who trample and who shove are expected to answer, not at the end, but now. The same present tense emphasis is also at work in the last story Jesus told before his arrest and execution. It's not a story about the end. It's a story that uses the end to point to now. Because right now, God's dream for the world is unfolding in surprising ways. Right now, Christ is king, leading as a servant. Right now, the Spirit is seeking us out, 
to bring us back to the kingdom prepared for us before the world began. And when the Spirit finds us, what will the Holy One find? Lost sheep, wandering sheep, wounded and weak sheep. I wonder what surprises the righteous more. The fact that they unknowingly fed and clothed Jesus, or that Jesus says that they are blessed by their maker. Because if these so-called sheep are anything like the ones in Ezekiel, they are probably a little rough around the edges. They've given up hope of being good people. Leave that to the saints and the true believers. Instead, they have made friends with their brokenness. They keep themselves honest and they do what they can for other broken people. The good shepherd finds them, whether they know it or not. In the day to day and in utter mystery, God binds up their wounds through Alcoholics Anonymous and making art, through therapy and picking up the phone, through gardening and volunteering, and wonder of wonder, through churches and other communities of worship, God binds up the wounded and strengthens the weak. And once you've faced your own brokenness, you can recognize how other people are hurting. And once you have extended to yourself the compassion that God has already planted within you, the compassion that already washes over us in the waters of baptism, well then, compassion for other people just makes sense. It's only the people who walk around thinking that they're fine, they're winning, who cannot stand to see life's losers, lest they glimpse their worst fears for themselves reflected back. What a shock then. What a shock to learn that the king was hungry or a stranger or an inmate in the correctional system, let alone crucified. Jesus was shocking. He used the vocabulary of judgment to jumpstart disciples into living as though the promised kingdom is a present reality. Maybe some disciples need a terrifying tale featuring the end to recognize their true end, their true purpose, to receive the compassion of God 
and to pass it along. And just as surprising for others is hearing that a place at God's feast has their name next to it. And that God has been planning this party since the universe exploded in a bang of cosmic confetti. Advent is a season of paradoxes. Even as we wait for God's new day to dawn, Jesus asks, what are you waiting for? Live the promise today. So friends, let this ending be for us a new beginning. Rejoice that the king of the universe is servant to all, a shepherd who seeks out each one of us to rescue and restore. Christ is coming and reigns even now. Live in that grace. Pass the love along to your neighbors. For such grace, let us give all glory and gratitude to God. Our ending and our beginning, our past and our promise, our judge and our hope. Amen. Amen.